Hi there, it's such a privilege to be back again sharing with you this powerful series called Identity Rehab. You see, the enemy wants to rob you of your identity. And I believe that God is in the restoration process right now. I wish it were so easy. I wish you could get the hired holy man from the north and they just pray for you and just rebuke everything and it all goes away. But one of the things I've learned in scripture is the importance of renewing the mind. You see, you cannot separate separate discipleship from deliverance. You cannot, okay? So we want to be delivered. We want to be delivered, but we also have to be discipled. And one of the challenges we face, particularly on the African continent, is the gospel has become very consumerist, you know? Uh, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, you know? Uh, Pastor, what can you do for me today type of thing, you know? Um, instead of actually going to the word and saying, how can I grow as a believer and actually become a producer, not just a consumer? How can I renew my mind actively and be very proactive about this so that I can make a difference uh, in the nations? And that's what we're about. That's our vision. That's our heart. That's our desire. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what we are learning and we pray, Lord, that you give us insights today with regards to the formation of our identity. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and we ask that you come and that you transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's open our hearts to receive. Today, I'm gonna to be talking about identity formation, continuing with uh, where I left off last uh, week. And I'm specifically gonna be talking about what every child needs, but in particular, understanding. And this is number six, understanding. We've spoken about the first five in the last couple of weeks, and now we're on the sixth one, understanding. And as I share with you these things, this is best practice. This is best practice concerning a functional family. And some of you listening to this message, you've come from a background where you've been battered, you've been bruised, and there are gaps, cracks, and leakages in you. And it's important to study this for yourself, to go into the Word and to say, well, where was there a gap in my life with regards to being understood, with regards to understanding? Okay, Did I feel there was empathy toward me as I was growing up? And if you didn't, maybe you're doing the same to the next generation now, right? Um, so it's really crucial for us to embrace these kinds of things regardless of where we are at in life. You might be a person who's grown up in an environment where there was a lot of pain, a lot of wounding, hurt people, hurt others. Maybe you're a counselor. Uh, this is so important for you to be aware of what a functional family actually looks like, okay? Because maybe you didn't come from a background where you saw it being modeled, okay? So what we're talking about today, understanding is so key and it helps you when you're counseling people to be able to spot these things, to say there's, lack, there's a lack of empathy here. All right. Uh, maybe you're in a situation where you are raising a family, you're raising children right now, maybe as a parent or even as an older sibling, and you want to understand these things so that you do it according to God's blueprint. So are you ready? So we're going to talk about understanding, understanding. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Okay, so one of the primary characteristics of Jesus as our high priest is understanding and empathy. He showed us this. He could identify with our struggles. And we are called to reflect the same thing 
to our families, okay? Because Christ is the head of our families, right? We lead our families. Those of us who are leading families, we lead as Christ leads, okay? He's our head, okay? All authority is delegated. So important to understand that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, this passage of scripture is loaded, isn't it? It's loaded uh, with so much uh, wisdom. And so the first thing I want to highlight here is it says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Some translations say, live with your wives with knowledge. Other translations say, according to knowledge. Some translations will say, uh, be considerate to your wives. Very powerful. And if you don't, it says, lest your prayers be hindered. So you can be out there fasting, praying, seeking God for that particular breakthrough that you want. But because you're not applying this principle, then your prayers can be hindered. Now, that word uh, with knowledge or in understanding, right? it comes from a Greek word, gnosko. And that literally talks about experiential knowledge of someone. Okay, So it, it literally connects theory to practice. And it's based on direct relationship. In other words, husbands, get to really know your wives. Husbands, study your wives based on what you're observing about them. And no wife is the same. Study your wives. Learn about them. What have you seen in the past? What are their emotional triggers? What stresses them out? What energizes them? What helps them to relax? That's what it's talking about here. And a lot of people, their emotional intelligence is very low. Their spiritual intelligence seems high, you know, but their emotional intelligence is very low and it's actually hindering their breakthrough today. So this scripture is explaining to us that we need to deal with each other with understanding because I don't believe this applies just to men. I believe it also applies the other way around. It applies to how we relate to our children. It's an important principle. And in essence, it's talking about empathy. It's talking about empathy. And I'll unpack that just now. So it shows me the importance of understanding your family members, uh, their love maps, their proclivities, their anecdotal behavior. What do I mean by a love map? Love map is understanding what triggers someone. When, When do they need space? What makes them sad? What makes them cry? Love map involves understanding all these particular things. Do you know your spouse's communication do's and don'ts? Do you know your children's communication do's and don'ts? What do I mean by that? For example, if you were to ask me, Paul, what are your communication do's and don'ts? I'll tell you. I'll say, you know what, guys? When you speak to me, you don't have to raise your voice. We adults here just talk to me nicely. Kids, When you speak to me, don't speak to me like I'm a little boy or one of your friends. Talk to me like I'm your father. Guys, if you want to get hold of me, uh, send me a WhatsApp. Uh, I'll probably respond to that quicker than my emails because it's easier for me to access my WhatsApp, especially when I'm between sessions. Okay, Um, it's that type of understanding. If you've got an issue with me, talk to me directly. Don't go via via. Now, if you know all those things about me, it means you're dealing with me with understanding. 
And here's the interesting thing about this. When I deal with someone with understanding, when I deal with someone with understanding, it often comes from a place of understanding them. Can you see the difference? So your empathy will tend to increase to the degree to which you know someone. So if I want to be more empathetic toward you, I need to actually study you. I need to realize that you're not the same as the person next to you. You're different. You're unique. That's so important. I was uh, counseling a particular couple and uh, the, the wife mentioned something interesting. She said, one of the things that's a button pusher for me is when my husband joins in with other people and teases me. That's what she said. Right? He'll be trying to sort of calm the situation down and just, you know, be friendly with everyone. And he teases me. And I found it interesting listening to the story because she went on to say, but he knows that I come from a background where I was bullied. So I don't mind the other people teasing me, but it pushes my buttons quite a bit when he knows this about me, but he still continues. So that's a classic example of not dealing with your wife with understanding. But dealing with your wife with understanding is knowing this is what she is sensitive about. And, you know, with our children, they have different areas of sensitivity. Something that you might not be sensitive about, they might be sensitive about. Deal with your wives with understanding. Deal with each other with understanding. It's so important. Wives, ladies, do you know how your spouse relaxes? Do you know how your husband relaxes? If they like to watch soccer, if they like to watch football, and that's their way of relaxing, don't bring up admin issues that are stressful while they're watching their soccer. It defeats the purpose, and you probably won't get that much uh, attention, you know, because here you are saying like, honey, have you paid this bill yet? You know, and he's there. He's like, oh, I'm watching Ronaldo score that goal. All right. So part of dealing with each other with understanding is knowing all those things about each other and being willing to adapt when we know these things. You see, very often we know certain things about each other, but we're not willing to adapt. Okay. We want someone to always adapt to us. Very important. Now, one of the things I'm realizing is that a lot of times we don't understand gender differences when it comes to dealing with our spouses with understanding or even our daughters, if you've got daughters. If you, for example, decide, let me go to the mall with my wife, gentlemen, and you don't really know, does my wife go to the mall to get things or does she go for the shopping experience? If you don't know, you'll be frustrated because you'll go to the mall and you might find yourself leaving the mall three hours later. Okay, just for the record, I'm glad that's not my situation. But for many men, it is. Because for many women, they go shopping for the shopping experience, not just to get things. Okay, depending on the personality of the person we're talking about. And it can frustrate a lot of uh, husbands in marriage situations. Do you understand your children? I know that my children are different. There's one who doesn't like going to malls. Often we say, let's go, let's all go together. And he might say, no, I'd rather stay at home. But he still wants us to get some stuff when uh, we're out. Then there's another one where when it comes to dates with him, he loves going to a mall, even if it's just window shopping, because he's very passionate about uh, especially sportswear and sports shoes. All right. So do you understand how the people in your family are wired? 
The other thing for us to realize is that people change. People change. One couple I was counseling, the guy said, you know what, once I think I've mastered my wife's uh, button pushes, she comes up with other ones. She comes up with new ones. And that's no surprise because people change. That woman that you married 10 years ago, it's not the same person now. She's not the same person now. Your children are always growing. They form new friendships. They're developing. So it's important to keep studying each other in your family setting to know that people change and to allow them to change. To not say, but last year this wasn't an issue. Why is it an issue now? Well, people change and grow. People mature. Their recreational activities change. It's one of the things we teach when we teach on parenting. When kids are in their tweens, when they're about 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, all of a sudden this child who always wanted to be around mom now wants to hang out with his friends, right? Um, his hobbies and interests change. This child who loved swimming or loved cricket now wants to just chill and maybe play basketball or something. People change and we need to deal with them with understanding. One of the basic human needs that people have is the need to be understood. It's the need to be understood. A basic need every human being has is the need to be understood. We want to be understood. The desire to be understood is to communication what oxygen is to the lungs. That's, that's a fact. And that's why we can be having a conversation. And um, in this conversation, what will you be saying to me? You'll be saying, Paul, you're not getting me. Just listen to me. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Because you want to be understood. And that's why we say, seek first to understand before you're understood. Seek first to understand before you're understood. I think it was Stephen Covey who said that, who popularized that phrase. Because what often happens is that I think that I'm most influential when I speak first. But the most influential person in a conversation is the one who speaks second. Because if I first listen to you, that's why we must listen first. If I first listen to you, when I'm now proposing something to you, I'm now taking fodder from what you've already said to me. And I end up with even more influence. A basic need every human being has is the need to know others and to be known. Basic need every human being has is the need to know others and to be known. And this is what actually builds community. It's where people know you and you know them. And we want to, we want to be in that place. But you see, a lot of us live with superficial relationships. We don't go deeper. If we want to build functional families, we need to know each other and we need to be known. You don't want to be that social introvert, what's known as a social introvert. That's that person who seems like they're the life of the party. And you kind of think that, oh, they've got lots of best friends and everyone knows them. But you press pause one day and you think to yourself, you ask yourself the question, who really knows this guy? Who really knows him? What does he really want to do with his life? And we call these social introverts because they're very social at a superficial level, but no one really knows them. My question to you is, are you known? Are you known? And do you really know the people around you? That's how community is formed. One of the sad things is a lot of people are well known out there, but they're not known by their own family. If we want to build functional families today, it's so important that we go deeper with each other. We need to go deeper with each other. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. 
to create community wherever you are. And the principles that I'm going to be sharing with you as we keep unpacking this are not just for the family unit. They're really about building community because sometimes we go through a reparenting process. Healing takes place in relationship. And some of you are in a situation where you are adults now, you don't stay with your parents and you're thinking, but Paul, what do I do? Well, re-relationshiping. In family settings, yes, it's great to have that. But you know what? The church is a family and it's important to be known in the church and to know others. Everyone needs a people spot. Everyone needs that place where they feel like people understand me here. People understand me here. One of our kids really hates it when we forget what his favorite chocolate is or we forget uh, what his preference is in terms of clothing styles and we buy him the wrong thing. Okay, and he sometimes protests when that happens, but there's a deep need there. And that's that need to feel like people know me. I want to be known. I was so blessed the other day, a few days ago, um, when uh, in the evening prayer meeting on Monday night, people prayed for me, a strong, strong birthday prayers. They prayed for me and I listened to the recording afterwards and I was really ministered to, thanks to those of you who did so, um, I was really ministered to because I felt like these people understand me. These people know my calling. They're going into detail concerning my strengths, concerning the areas where I need uh, protection from the Lord. I'm understood. I'm known by these people. It's a need we have. And those of you who are not known, make yourself known. Don't blame the people around you. Make a decision that you will make yourself known. You see, many people counsel everyone, minister to everyone, but no one really knows them. It's important for relationship to be mutual. Not you just knowing everyone, but some people knowing you. I think that's really crucial. So, one of the biggest fears we have as human beings is the fear of being judged unfairly. It's actually higher amongst women than men. But if you look at the top 10 fears people have, uh, there's the fear of being judged unfairly. And in essence, that's really the fear of being misunderstood. And it's amazing how we pour out a lot of energy into trying to be understood. You know, when I have arguments with my wife, one of the main themes that comes up, she'll often say to me, I feel misunderstood. I'm saying this to you because I just want to be understood. That's what she says when she's explaining herself. And often I'll say, well, I understand what you've just said. Of course, I understand. But here's the thing. I wouldn't have communicated understanding. It's one thing to understand someone. It's another thing to show them that you understand, to verbalize it. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? So true discipleship involves taking the passages of scripture that I've shared with you and the ones I'm going to share with you in a moment and really applying them in our lives. Unfortunately, with these things, you can't just go and pray and fast and expect something to just happen and everything changes. You, you apply the word of God. And as you're applying the word of God, you say, Lord, Please help me in this process as I put your word into practice. Because you see, God is training us to think in a particular way. He wants us to deal with each other with understanding. He doesn't want us to just be these people who just pray and then everything changes. But we haven't changed. You see, prayer changes us. Prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. Theodore Roosevelt said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Isn't that so true? Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Are you communicating the care that you have 
for the people around you. In a family characterized by understanding, judgment is suspended. It's important for us to suspend judgment. Often if you're an angry person, you release judgments very quickly. And with the same measure that you judge, you'll be judged. But where there's understanding, it produces suspension of judgment. You have the right to make mistakes and learn from them. Now, you don't want to keep repeating your mistakes, but family should be an environment where you can make mistakes and you learn from them. When a child is learning how to walk, we don't shout and scream at them when they fall. We just encourage them to keep getting up. But somehow as that child grows older, they make other mistakes and we shout and scream at them. Right? It's important to allow our children to make mistakes as long as they keep learning from those mistakes. So your mistakes don't result in banishment. In fact, when kids make mistakes, it's a learning opportunity. It's a parenting opportunity. Often my wife and I, when we talk about where our kids are at, um, we actually like to say, I'm glad this has come up because it's an opportunity for us to nip it in the bud. It's an opportunity for us to address it. Imagine we didn't know about this particular issue. The gravity of discipline should never be related to the value of the thing destroyed. Sometimes people get so animated and so frustrated when a child breaks that uh, precious vase. And then they're so angry and they give harsh discipline to that child, but it was a mistake. And what is that vase doing there in that place? It wasn't a child-friendly lounge, was it? Okay. Yet, if they just dropped something else, maybe a plastic thing, you wouldn't be that angry and you wouldn't actually even discipline them. You'll just be like, oh, it's a mistake. Okay. So don't discipline your children based on how expensive the particular thing was. Unless you had specifically warned them and said, don't go to, close to that particular thing, okay? In a functional family, you experience empathy for others and from others. It's a longing we have. I want people to feel my pain with me. I want them to feel my pain with me. So the word empathy comes from two Latin words, um, pathos. those two words, and it literally means feeling into. Empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. You're feeling with them, but from their frame of reference, not from yours. And so empathy is not just reflecting back on your own experiences. You know, a lot of people do that and they think that's empathy. It's not. A lot of people like to do that. You know, you hurt yourself. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember when I hurt myself last week. No, don't stop making it about yourself, okay? You are feeling with the other person from their frame of reference. You might not be as affected as them, even if you're in their situation, because maybe you're older, maybe you're stronger, maybe you've got a bulletproof self-image, but you're able to say, yes, being who you are and having grown up in the situation you grew up in, I can see how that must have been so difficult for you. Oh, I understand how that could be so stressful because you're an introvert and you don't like those situations. You see, you're viewing it from their frame of reference as opposed to, I don't get it. Why you, why, why do you find that difficult? I just, I just roll with the punches. That's lack of empathy. So when I'm speaking about understanding today, in essence, I'm talking about the combination of empathy and knowledge. The two work together. The two work hand in hand. You're showing empathy, you're feeling into, 
but you're showing understanding because you understand the other person. You've taken time to study the other person. So empathy is the capacity to place oneself in another's position. And this type of understanding produces patience, doesn't it? We're called to be patient with our children. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childish, uh, childhood behind me. So we need to understand as parents, as grown-ups, that when a child thinks in a particular way, they're doing it because they're a child. And when you begin to understand that, you end up being patient with the person. That this isn't a, a, a tiny adult. They're actually still a child. Your maturity is seen in your ability to handle immaturity. And when we keep reminding ourselves that this is a child going through this phase, we're not necessarily always excusing the behavior, but we're dealing with understanding. This is a child going through this. This is a child going through that. And when you're dealing with, for example, animals like puppies, I've, I'm dealing with that experientially because out of our four dogs, three of them are puppies. And I'm learning that puppies chew things. And so if I see a chewed sandal or a chewed ball, instead of getting frustrated with the puppy, I can basically say, guys, we should put our things away because we understand this is what puppies do. I don't discipline the puppy for chewing the particular thing because it's been said that, you know, that's how they shop. They deal with the irritation in their mouths and, um, you know, they chew and they need to do so. So sometimes you can buy them dog toys and then they chew those particular things, right? But the point I'm making is when you understand who you're dealing with, you're able to be patient with them. You deal with them with understanding. I can't be angry or blame the puppies, okay? It's our responsibility to make sure we put our things away. When we don't demonstrate understanding and empathy, our loved ones stop communicating their needs. They stop communicating their needs because they feel like if I communicate my needs, I'll be ignored or my needs will be dismissed. You guys are going to be dismissive. So you know what I would rather do? I've got an alternative. I will resort to protesting, protesting. That's when I come through as strong, but I'm really protesting because protesting is a self-protective mechanism that avoids vulnerability. It's easier for me to keep protesting than to say, honey, I really miss you. Honey, I just want some couch time with you without the kids. So it's easier to criticize very often. Sadly, many people feel more understood by colleagues and friends than family members. God gave us family to heal us from isolation. Yet often in our family settings, we feel extremely lonely. And guess what? People today will gravitate to where they feel like they belong. That's why a lot of children today end up in these subcultures, drug subculture, um, subcultures we don't agree with in terms of the lifestyle, but they go there because they feel like they belong, because they don't feel like they belong at home. Now, there are three types of empathy I want to highlight. The first is emotional empathy. Emotional empathy is I feel you. I feel you. This is the capacity to respond to another person's mental state with an appropriate emotion. I feel you. If I say, guys, I've got a migraine, and you say, oh, Paul, where's it so? How do you carry on teaching while you've got a migraine? Ouch, right? 
Is it so behind your head? Is it above your eyes? Where is it so? Okay, you're communicating emotional empathy. I feel you. And when we don't have that, we feel isolated in our relationships. Now, I'm sharing with you these things, and some of you are probably thinking to yourselves, but Paul, that's just not me. I can't do that. Sometimes I teach these principles in the corporate world, and people say, Paul, my team will think I've gone crazy if I do some of these things. You know what? Sometimes we have to actually say to people, you know, we level up with people and we say, you know what? I'm actually learning how to grow in my emotional intelligence. I'm actually learning how to grow in empathy. So guys, just work with me concerning this because I think it's so important. By the way, when you demonstrate empathy, I believe it's one of the quickest ways to have people liking you. And people will buy from brands that they like, okay? Brands that they have an emotional connection with. And that's why some of you complain, say, no one is buying my product because they don't have an emotional connection with your product, okay? And it's important to build empathy in this way. The second type of empathy is cognitive empathy, which is I get you. I get you. I might not agree with you, but I get you. It's the ability to see where another person is coming from. So if I say to you, who's your best friend? You'll probably say, oh, it's, it's Joe. And then I say to you, why is Joe your best friend? You'll say to me, Paul, it's because when I hang out with him, I can be myself because Joe gets me. It's not stressful for me when I'm around Joe. Joe gets me. And the way Joe communicates that cognitive empathy is through active listening. Joe will listen to me and will say, oh, I, I follow your logic. I see where you're coming from. Oh yeah, being you, I know why you responded to that situation in that particular way. Yeah, because it's you. Yes, I can see why you did it that way. We want people around us who get us. He gets me. She gets me. My wife gets me without judgment. My kids get me without judgment. My dad gets me without judgment. That's what family is for. And then the third type of empathy is empathic concern. Empathic concern. This is, I'm here for you. And this involves being there for people when they need practical assistance. When they need practical assistance, you are there for them. So some years ago, I remember my wife was not feeling well. And she said to me, um, my love, I'm not feeling great. And I was very quick to step in and offer empathic concern. And I said to her, don't worry, I'll sort out the kids. I'll make a plan for dinner. Right? So I think I'm being the hero, the heroic husband, demonstrating empathy to my wife. But later on that evening, she said to me, I don't know if you really understand how I'm actually feeling. I've got this thing sitting on my head. And she started describing how she was feeling. And of course, I got defensive. And I'm like, of course, I understand how you're feeling. That's why I've been doing this. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. But because I understood this principle of empathy and the fact that very often people need all three types of empathy demonstrated, sometimes at the same time, because I understood this, I was quick to say to her, you know what's going on, my love? What's going on is what you need from me is emotional empathy. What I'm showing you right now is empathic concern. So very often people need all three. I remember doing a workshop once with a particular pharmaceutical and they, I think I had a headache or something and they demonstrated all three types of empathy toward me. Three different people showed me the three different types of empathy, okay? I think one of them gave me some kind of tablet. Other one started to try and figure out what was wrong with me. Other one uh, felt for me. It was very powerful. Now, we see this in scripture. In 1 
Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's what the church ought to be like. That's what our families ought to be like. That if someone is suffering, we suffer with that person. If my wife is in physical pain, I'm feeling it with her, as opposed to Hades for you. And I carry on with my own life. And sometimes the way we relate to each other in our family settings, we almost have this thing of, ah, oh, this person is just being a hypochondriac, you know? Are oh, they just now feeling sorry for themselves? They must just snap out of it. No, feel the pain with them as if it were you feeling it. That's why the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, love your wives as your own body. No man ever failed to love his own body. You know, when you're feeling pain, you nurse that pain. You, you know, sometimes we end up feeling sorry for ourselves. Feel their pain with them. Feel their pain with them. It's so important. In Romans 12 verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. So feel my joy with me. When I'm celebrating because of some business breakthrough, celebrate with me as opposed to automatically thinking to yourself, ah, what about me? How come I didn't have a breakthrough? Mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes it just takes time. If your, if your son fails in an exam, if your daughter doesn't make a particular team that they wanted to make, don't just say to them, ah, it's okay, you'll make it next year. Try to get into their world. How are they feeling about it? Do they feel they deserve to have made, made that particular team? If they don't make provincials and they want to make pro the provincial team, don't just say, ah, it's not that important. It's not a big deal. For him, it's a big deal. Feel with them. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. And it's interesting because the way they translate this word, sometimes in scripture you'll see the word... Uh, that's translated sympathy and the word that's translated empathy. And I know those two things don't mean the same thing in English, but in some, in some translations, you actually see that it's translated, but the root word is actually the same. The root word for sympathetic here, it comes from two words, sun and uh, pasho. And it means suffering or feeling together with. Okay, so you're suffering, that's pasho right? You're feeling that passion. You're feeling, that's why we talk about the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ, okay? You're feeling it and soon is in association with, okay? Together with. So you're suffering together with. You're suffering in association with, okay? So I, I think it's so, so crucial that we come to a place where we can feel each other's pain and God gives us the ability to do so, the ability to identify with each other. That's why the Bible says, as Christ is, so are we in this world. How is Christ in this world? He's a high priest who identifies with us, who empathizes with us. So are we in this world. We must also do the same with each other. Some of you struggle with this because you're emotionally detached. You've numbed yourself from pain for a long time. That's how you've avoided conflict. You grew up with a lot of conflict around you and so you would numb yourself to that where you wouldn't be able to feel. And now you struggle with this. You struggle with this when you're relating to people. You're relating to people and they're going through something and you just can't identify. You just can't identify with them. We need to work through these things and renew our minds concerning these things. We need to develop relational maturity with regards to these particular things. Struggling with that relational maturity 
can affect every intimate relationship and it can affect people, especially if you've had a dysfunctional uh, background, you end up very detached. Okay, so understanding is so, so important and it actually uh, helps you to prevent the enemy taking advantage of you relationally. The enemy wants to take advantage of this. But when we bond and we connect, we become whole as people. I'm telling you right now, a lot of the depression that people face is because of lack of bonding. It's because of lack of true bonding. It's because they don't feel understood. They feel isolated. Let's have a look at some scriptures. Romans 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is a very powerful phrase of scripture. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. You see, often we don't do this. Often when someone fails, we're like, I don't get it. Why does that person just annoy you so much? Why are you so frustrated in that situation? Why don't you have a bulletproof self-image? Get over yourself. Often that's our attitude in areas where we are strong. But we've got areas where we are weak and they are strong. And we forget that. We forget that the, in the very area where I feel like I'm strong, so I end up domineering and not understanding people and not being empathetic towards them. But other people are strong in areas where I'm weak. And they could be saying to me tomorrow, hey, how come you don't, you, you're not good at this? Right? So we need to understand our own frailties. We who are strong in whatever area you're strong, bear with the failings of the weak. And then it goes on to say something, and not to please ourselves. I believe that if we're delivered from selfishness and self-absorption, there are a lot of family issues. There are a lot of marriage issues we wouldn't have today. If we just delivered from self-absorption and selfishness, there are a lot of issues we wouldn't have today. There are a lot of fights in families between spouses, husband and wife, between children, among siblings, that would not happen if we were just delivered from self-absorption and selfishness. In Philippians 2 verse 4, it says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Imagine if I renewed my mind with this scripture and on a daily basis I wake up and I'm focused on not looking to my own interests but each of but me Paul Nyamuda the interests of others. If I was so consumed with others interests in my family that had become so powerful and you see the extreme of this of course is when you overuse the strength when you overuse the strength and there's no self-care, you're not looking after yourself, you're not developing yourself. I'm not talking about that. When I develop myself, I want to develop myself for the body of Christ. When I go and I'm studying the word, I'm wanting to grow as a person and as a Christian so that I can fulfill my calling. But my calling is not for myself, it's for others. It's not about me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, it says, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Can you see? Scripture is interpreting scripture here. We can't bypass these scriptures. We can't be these great prayer warriors, but we're detached from people and we don't know how to connect with them because we're so absorbed with our own interest. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33, it goes on to say, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, 
so that they may be saved. You could see that Paul the Apostle here was focused on the big picture. That's the salvation of mankind. And everything he did, he was just consumed with this vision. I want to do this. I want to adapt here. I want to adapt there so that they may be saved. How willing are you to adapt to the people around you? How willing are you to adapt to your spouse? That's what yielding is all about. How willing are you to even adapt to the needs of your children? How willing are you to adapt to the needs of your parents for their good? Deal with each other with understanding. Imagine what family life would be like if we applied these scriptures on a daily basis. Your kids won't fight. You and your spouse won't fight. There'll be no emotional wounding in our families. I'm convinced that one of the main keys to functional marriages and families is deliverance from selfishness and self-absorption. Here are some scripts for communicating empathy. Here's some scripts, because some of you don't have the lingo for this, okay? I know when I'm teaching on this, some of you are like, uh, 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 well, here's my hubby's phone number. Please go and teach him this. No, you now understand the principle. You can also teach other people this. Here's some scripts for empathy. Ah, oh, that must be really sore. How did you manage to do your test while feeling like that? Okay, that's powerful. Oh, I can see you're frustrated with me and you probably felt embarrassed. I'm really sorry. So you're learning to actually state the other person's emotion. You're identifying with how they feel and then you apologize. Okay, that's emotional empathy. I know you feel smothered when I do that. Please forgive me. As a parent, you're modeling saying sorry to your kids. Okay, I know you feel smothered when I do that. Please forgive me. Instead of justifying your behavior. I can't believe how well you're holding up considering how much stress you're under. Isn't that powerful? That actually boosts the person who's holding up under stress. I appreciate your patience. What does that do to the person? It could be someone in a queue. Maybe you work as a teller. And then the person comes and you know that they've been waiting for a long time. This is extremely powerful for those of you who want to learn more about customer service excellence. Demonstrating empathy toward an irate client is so important. As opposed to, why are you so angry? Calm down. That's the last thing you say to someone who's an angry, uh, complaining client. Okay, You show them empathy. You say to them, if I was in your situation, I would also be so frustrated. I can't believe that you haven't blasted us yet or written something in the paper, right? That's so important to be able to speak like that. I appreciate your patience. Thank you for remaining so positive. I want to thank you for taking time from your busy schedule to speak with me today. That's important because people's time is precious. Yes, exactly. I can see why you said that. That must have been really annoying for you. So the person is speaking to you and they're feeling bad that they spoke like that. But you're actually saying you can identify with that and you probably would have done the same thing or you understand why they did that. Now, we don't want to go to the other extreme of placating bad behavior. You know when people placate, where they excuse bad behavior. No, we're not saying that. We're saying show understanding, show that you get it. You get why the person is doing that. You get why the person is crying. 
You're not saying to them, just snap out of it. What you're saying makes so much sense to me. I get you. I would have had a hard time with that too. If I were in your position, I would feel the same way too. You must be feeling really exhausted after doing A, B, C, D. Let me go and fetch the kids from school. Let me do that today. So you don't just go and do it. You also try to show that you understand where the person is at. And then you offer a solution. If you're an organization and you've made a particular mistake, write the wrongdoing. Say to your customers, our mistake has cost you a lot of time and money. Let me make it right. And then you maybe give them a freebie or something like that. You see, we learn empathy in the home. Your children will become very empathetic one day in the workplace because they saw you modeling it in the home. And some scripts for lack of empathy, I've mentioned some of them. Get a grip. Snap out of it. I don't understand why you're so angry. It's not a big deal. The person then becomes more angry because they feel misunderstood. They're like, it is a big deal. This is so crucial and you're minimizing it. And then they become more angry. People want to feel understood. But I'm also just as busy, if not busier than you. How come it's a big deal and now you're complaining? Come on, stop being lazy. Okay, You're not demonstrating understanding. I want to encourage you to go from here and to say to yourself, you know what? The word of God is so clear. I need to be free from selfishness. I need to focus on other people's interests. I need to feel with them. I need to demonstrate emotional empathy. I feel you. I need to demonstrate cognitive empathy. I get you. And I need to demonstrate empathic concern. I'm here for you. That's what our children need. That's what our spouses need. That's what our colleagues need in teams as we build with them. And I promise you, if you do this consistently, you'll feel a deeper bond with the people around you. You will feel more fulfilled because you feel like you're part of a community, a place where you found your people spot, a place where you're missed when you're not present, a place where you're known by name and you know others. Make a decision to go from here and to understand people. When you truly understand the people around you, when you study them and you know the love map of that person, what stresses them out, what drains them, what energizes them, what are their strengths? What are their communication do's and don'ts? When you master these things, it's amazing what happens. Have conversations with people around you concerning these things that I'm talking about today. Sit down with them and ask them, what are your communication do's and don'ts? How do you like to be spoken to? What energizes you? When do you feel like, wow, this was such a nice day in the family? What do you enjoy from me as your father? What do you enjoy from me as your mother? It's amazing what then happens. People have a need, and that big need is the need to feel understood. And we can offer that to them when we're delivered from selfishness and self-absorption. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you come. I pray that you come into our families and you bring about deeper levels of empathy, deeper levels of understanding, deeper levels of vulnerability. Father, may you make us whole. Lord, we know that very often our healing will come in re-relationshiping, in where we relate to each other in a way that is healthy, in a way that is functional. 
We ask, Father, that you would make us whole as we minister healing and wholeness to each other. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you.